everyone, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Billy Dees, and I am thrilled that you are here. If this is your first time here, let me tell you that we are primarily an interview and a commentary podcast. Now, you can find the Billy Dees podcast pretty much anywhere podcasts are found, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and with friends over at Good Pods. We don't necessarily do a whole lot with YouTube, but we are recording video today. So if you happen to run across this podcast and you want to check out the podcast behind the scenes, so to speak, and actually uh, see our guest today, you are welcome to do that. Billy Dees is available just like that. No fancy variations on the screen name on just about every platform that is out there. On the studio line with me today, I have Graciela Moore. Graciela Welcome to the podcast. I am absolutely overjoyed that you are here. Thank you so much, Billy. I'm so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am too. And and the reason that I'm happy to have Graciela is that we we deal with a lot of heavy topics here on on the podcast. And I'm very happy that people that have those types of stories to tell come here. Um, But Graciela has a different kind of inspiration in that she talks about hope and she's very positive. And uh, I've, I've been in a number of different um, uh, social media rooms and, and spaces with her and her positivity, her, her being, so to speak, is so strong and so positive that I'm so glad to have her on the show and to share that with you. Your uh, Twitter bio has some interesting stuff on there. And uh, let's kind of delve into that a little bit. You talk about transcendent, let me try that again, transcendental hope coach. And you are an author and you also do a lot with the hashtag HSIP. And that's all about thriving into soul alignment. And you're also a public speaker. So a lot of, of really amazing topics here. Before we get into the idea of hope, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you are very passionate about? Well, so a little bit about me. I am from Puerto Rico, born and raised, didn't make it to the States until I was 27. And in that journey of waiting, um, I learned a lot about how to be productive while I was waiting for my chance to move here, I guess we could call it that. And so I like, for example, I learned the language, right? And it, um, what it became was me learning that hope is its own thing, aside from all these other connotations that we give it, like hope in Christ or whatever. And learning that it's its own mindset just transformed how I viewed life in general. And so I'm very passionate about it as a concept and as a propeller. And I just, I'm so grateful to be able to talk about that with you. Thank you. Well, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's so inspiring to hear uh, a lot of these concepts and quite frankly, in the preparation of, of doing this uh, podcast, I, I, I learned some things that I did not know about hope. Let's talk a little bit about hope. There is the general term like um, 
hope for a better day, hope we win on Sunday, and, and those kinds of terms that kind of get thrown around every day. We talked about in our, in our pre-production meeting that it, you'll see a lot of memes about hope for this and hope for that. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's one way that we consider hope. And then there is a different kind of hope, which is transcendental hope. And that's a little bit more specialized. So do you want to talk about uh, how to contrast those two things? Yes, thank you. So the thing about hope is that, like I said, it's its own thing. And we tend to really blend it together with other things like you just introduced right now. So there's hope in Christ and that's beautiful. And we could talk about that all day. And, you know, in, in the market or consumer or commercial aspect of things, we tend to see it a lot blended together with love and family and then, like you mentioned, memes and social media, uh, hoping for a better day or hope for tomorrow. Um, we tend to really attach hope to this dreamlike scenario of hoping for the best. What does that even mean? What does that even look like, right? When I realized that it's its own mindset and deepened my research and found out that we can divide it into types. So this is what Julie Naras does in her book, Apprentice to Hope. She divides it into chosen hope, for example, which is when you gather together for a common goal like Black Lives Matter or, you know, uh, civil rights issues or, you know, uh, my body, my choice type of thing, you get together all in that same wavelength of energy. And she calls this chosen hope. And that's a mindset. You employ that, right? You use it as fuel. And then there's unrealistic hope. It's like, you know, this thing that I want to create, how realistic is it? Like, am I going to make it to the moon? I would love that, but I don't know Elon Musk. So how realistic is it for me to put all my eggs in that basket, right? I mean, if you want to do that, be my guest, but really bringing it down to the reality of your life and your resources allows you to then move forward with that hope. And let me tell you, I've been attacked before <laughs> with with commentary like hope is the laziest word in the English dictionary. And I don't just sit around and wait for things to happen because for some reason, hope gets that rap. Sure. Yet when you when you realize how to employ it as a mindset, so positivity, resourcefulness, daily motivation, you really see that things start happening and things do move forward. I mean, little by little every day, we can just do something here and there to move ourselves forward, right? Right, So when I realized that, and not just that, but looking back at my content growing up, my poetry and all of that, my research, I was like, wow, I've been talking about hope and writing about hope forever. So it became kind of that, you know, destined thing for me to talk about. And I think that really comes through right in that passion. And and in the background, the body of work that allows me to just talk about this and coach people through this mindset so that they know that no one is hopeless. And, you know, there's just hope in every single step of the way. Right. 
And the way I understand it, transcendental, I hope I'm getting that right, uh, it comes from within. Is that is that a good way to put it? It's kind of uh, you have to develop it and, and make it come out yourself. Is that a good way to describe it? Yeah, for sure. That's a good way to describe transcendentalism as a hope. I mean, as a, as a whole thing uh, in itself. I... I was a literature major, right? In in my math, in my degree is about literature and film, and I fell in love with writers like Walt Whitman, right? Writer of Song of Myself and Leaves of Grass, and Ralph Waldo Emerson, and these are transcendentalist American poets. And the thing about transcendentalism which I didn't know when I was a literature major and I find out now when I'm doing this research is essentially if you have a deity, if your deity has a name, if you believe in the Holy Spirit, if you just call the spirit something, essentially you're not a transcendentalist. Okay. And so with, with a very objective intention of not just coaching Christians, which I know I would love that, right? Like if I only focused on Christians as a niche, that would be wonderful and it would be productive and successful, blah, blah, blah. But I wanted to open my coaching, my heart, my experience to all. I tap into transcendentalism because it's about you and your efforts and your gifts and your strengths and that little seed you know, that the Hindu, the, the people in India look at that seed and it grows into this wonderful tree of life. And um, Muslims may call it something else. And Christians may call it hope in Christ. And someone with no religious background may just think is not within them. But understanding that hope is its own thing, separate from all these other contexts was so refreshing for me because it allowed me to have that license to reach people. And then it was honestly so surprising, but pleasantly surprising to find out that there's a whole nother psychological research about it. Cause now we're going into the science of hope. Right. You know, now it's not just a buzzword or a spiritual thing. Now it's a science, something that happens, you know, in the prefrontal cortex where the Hindu people put that little red dot right there. Yeah. And I was just so fascinated by it because I don't care who you are, where you come from, what your limitations are. You need hope just as much as me and the next person. And finding that common ground really inspired me to do what I do and to be able to talk about it as a subject matter in itself. And it just brings me so much joy. That's fantastic. We're going to come back to hope. I do have to ask you because um, on your uh, on your Twitter bio, it's listed there, and a lot of people may not know what it is. I find it a very interesting and very valid concept, and that is that of HSIP. So, would you like to talk about that just a little bit? Yes. So, essentially, we tend to see three letters instead of four, and that would be HSP, and that means highly sensitive person. And this term is not new, and obviously, I didn't make it up. It's been, it was coined by a psychologist in 1991. I was in pre-K at the time, <laughs> but that's me. So it has to do with we tend to see highly sensitive people as, you know, they're sensitive in their feelings. Right. You feel too much or you're too dramatic or you're too this or too that. But in reality, it has to do with the senses. 
So, you know, sensitivity to light, sensitivity to noises or smells or temperatures. And then there's that aspect of once I am in control of my sensitivities as opposed to the other way around, it allows you a higher level of awareness. And with that higher level of awareness comes opening up to the spirit. And so it becomes highly sensitive, intuitive person. So it just becomes like a level up from the HSP aspect of things. So a lot of intuitives, psychics, um, Deepak Chopra, these are people who are highly sensitive, intuitive people, yet they may not just, you know, they may not use that catalog as part of their content, but I'm interested in illuminating the way to people who are overwhelmed by their sensitivities because they don't know it yet, right? They don't know that they're highly sensitive. They don't know what those sensitivities are or mean or how to transform their life in a way that they're using those sensitivities in their favor. So an example of that would be, you know, using the spirit and tapping into my intuition to ponder these things and be able to produce a body of work. That's an example of me using my sensitivity in my favor, right? Another example would be, I'm definitely going to be the first one to know that something is burning (laughs) because I'm sensitive to the smell, right? So, yeah. (laughs) That's very, very interesting. And I believe that is so valid because I've known people like that. And I've even, I've even, I feel I've I've gone through that myself. Uh, a lot of times things have uh, impacted me uh, to a very great degree. So I believe I feel that. Now, spirituality is something that you talk about in a lot of different contexts. What it, does it mean to have your soul aligned? What, when people hear that, they might say, oh, I don't know. If I'm a, but it's really a very valid concept. It's a very simple one. Would you like to talk about it a little bit? Yeah, so... You know, when you know who you are, right? Know thyself. We hear this a lot, yet it's like, well, how do I even begin, (laughs) right? Um, And I feel like there's a lot of healing involved in the process of getting to know yourself. We all have gone through trauma. There's the idea that you may have gone through trauma and I haven't is just ridiculous. Trauma really dates back to even the the manner in which we were born, whether it was a C-section or you were born in the taxi or whatever. So trauma is way deeper than people really understand. But when you heal and get to know yourself and target your values and target your strengths, I feel like when you add those things together, authenticity just happens naturally. It's Mm -hmm. a byproduct of it. It comes through. You feel it, right? It's an energy thing. And so... I feel like there's nothing but success when you come from a place of alignment. And that's really what being soul aligned means to me. It's actually not even spiritual. It's about figuring out what your values are, targeting what your strengths are and leading with those. How could you fail? I mean, of course, if you value good, right? And do things for the highest good of all. I'm not talking about valuing, I don't know, war and whatever. Um, I'm talking about coming from a good place for all and, and wellness and healthy and, you know, the good of things, right? So when you target those things, 
how could you go wrong? You know, if you go into a relationship knowing who you are and what you value, we would all waste so much less time in toxic relationships, right? In the confusion of it all. Right. Um, because I know my values, I can step into the unknown with confidence. There's mm. no fear of the unknown. Um, because I know my values, I don't struggle with FOMO or fear of missing out. It's like, no, you know, I'm missing out of that, but I'm not struggling from missing out on it because I value what I am doing over here. And so it's, it's about awareness. If you, if you really want to narrow it down to just one thing, when you are aware, how do you step away from that? Yes. Right. That's fantastic. Um, and I really feel that's a good explanation. I'm going to throw you a curveball now. Everybody gets a curveball once in a while. <laughs> We're talking about hope today. And um, a lot of people search for hope. They search for positivity. And they are oftentimes at their most vulnerable. And the reason that I'm saying this is because I'm one of the few people that I know that point this out pretty regularly, that positivity and uh, hope is a lot like faith in that it is a very legitimate thing for a lot of people. But crossing that line over into bottling and selling it is very small. And people that uh, give these seminars and have their members of their audience do all these stunts to give them confidence and everything, um, they can be very expensive. So if someone is searching for that kind of soul alignment and they want to try and maybe find that through a coach or something similar, how do they make sure that they're not um, going to someone who's, who's going to give them some snake oil and tell them the things that they want to hear and in the long run really not be that helpful? Hmm. That is a tricky question. <laughs> I mean, it really takes me to when I am very open with letting people know that when you are a client seeking out a service provider, right? A coach or yes. a mentor, right? You are in your right to shop around. And this is when that discovery call becomes key. You need to you know, do a little research and find out what are the right questions for me to ask, because it's not just the coach interviewing the individual to see if we are a good fit. The individual needs to know what questions to ask to really see if this coach resonates, if this coach really sounds legit and not just sound, but what is the body of work? What is your experience? Where did you come from with this concept? And in all honesty, I love that I get to coach people through something that I didn't make up, right? Mm -hmm. I use the American Psychological Association, all of their research, all of their data, all of their little assessments to figure out where you are in the hope scale. And then I use Julie Narassa's types of hope along with my own little caveat, which is, you know, she calls one of the types false hope. And in my research, I find out that 
the American Psychological Association says they have no evidence of false hope in their research. And so that's a little caveat to what this person is describing, right? And so at the end of the day, I take these tools that I didn't make up and I simply just bring my own experience to it, which is, you know, the art of storytelling or the art of knowing myself, right? right? Or the art of practicing these things on the daily. So taking it back to your very first question about a little bit of background, I was six. The very first time I realized I was in love with the English language. I wanted to learn it. And in Puerto Rico, some people grow up and they never speak the language, right? They never speak English mm -hmm. or they don't really tap into it the way I got obsessed with it. Yet at six and then at nine, when I really committed to that, I remember clearly I wanted to move to the States and that didn't happen until I was 27. Mm -hmm. and so I take my entire history and background of doing this and doing that and trying this and failing epically at this or that and, you know, toxic relationships and the hopelessness of it all and transform it into a way that my clients can really see themselves in it. And I feel like that's been the key to establishing that trust Because trust is key when you're in a coaching relationship. It's very personal. And, you know, taking it back to the beginning of my answer, which was letting the client know that they are in the right to shop around, I feel like is key now more than ever because there's coaches coming out of the woodworks mm -hmm. <laughs> and people are calling themselves coaches without the right qualifications. And so I, I take pride in my own certification because it, It didn't just happen with an online course that cost me $7, right? Like the International Coaching Federation is huge in their line of ethics and standards that I have to abide by or mm -hmm. else I can't belong. Right. And, you know, I'm a licensed real estate agent. So having those ethics and and standards from the realtor association is something that I like, right? The structure and, and the, the backbone of that business. It's a form of guidance that we all have, right. And that we all have to abide to. And so knowing that I was becoming a coach with a, a community that also provides those ethics and standards was huge for me because I value, right. Yeah. Those ethics and those standards, and I would be lost without them. Right. That is a fantastic uh, way of, of talking about that. And I would only add, it's just like anything else when it comes to weight loss or physical fitness. Uh, when you are being promised the sun, moon, and the stars, and all you have to do is take this pill, or all you have to do is start our program today and all these other things. When you hear those kinds of buzzwords, uh, you know, obviously tread forward with caution uh, because it is a process, right? This is something that you've talked, you've been on your journey for a very long time. And very, very long. You just made me sound so old, a very long oh, time. No, you, you talked about being, uh, what was it, in, in, in grade school in 91. I was over the hill in 91. <laughs> so now I'm over the hill and going down the other side. Um, you always seem so positive. And that's something that really resonates with me. Uh, we talk about spirituality. And like I said, that can mean different things to a lot of people. 
when I talk about someone having a, a, a contagious spirit, I, I don't necessarily mean there's some ghost coming out of them, but they have this energy that transcends whatever medium they're on. In your case, I've, I've been in several spaces with you. As soon as you hear your voice, I mean, me in the audience, uh, th- this positive vibe just falls all over you. And that is a, uh, that's not something you can teach somebody, quite frankly, Graciela. I mean, you either have it or you don't. You have it. Do you have to work to maintain it or does it come naturally? Well, I feel like it's both. So there's psychological research that also leads to the knowledge of knowing that some people have like a gene for optimism, if you will. And I think it really dates back to being highly sensitive because when you're the highly sensitive person in the group, you tend to seek out the person that needs the help. Mm -hmm. You tend to be the arbiter in the drama you mm-hmm. tend to be the fallback person, like the mother hen of the group. Mm-hmm. And with that type of automatic exchange comes a level of responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of highly sensitive people have this spark within them. It's, it's, and, and because we are sensitive, we show it way mm-hmm. more than, for example, my husband, who is not a highly sensitive person, and you'll see me all happy and in, in a tangible way. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I'm happy. Sure. Yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> and, and he's so chill. And I'm over here like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. Right. Yeah. And so it, it really dates back to being highly sensitive. And on the other side of that is when I suffer we suffer deeply. And that's where those boundaries have to come into place. This is what I coach people through. You know, I cannot watch the news. And I know this. Mm. How did I learn that? Well, I learned it the hard way. I learned it by watching the news and then wondering, why am I tossing and turning at night? Mm -hmm. Why am I having nightmares? Why am I waking up with anxiety? Right? That's those sensitivities getting in the way. Right? Mm -hmm. And so... I feel like it's, I've always been dreamy, right? Optimistic. I grew up in La La Land. Friends used to call me Graceland because I was always in La La Land, right? Yeah. So it's been a pattern of behavior that I feel like most highly sensitive people can relate to, or at least, you know, they have experienced it. But it really is a day-to-day thing. And when I don't practice mindfulness, so for me, my own, you know, tools are journaling and, you know, prayer and meditation. They're both separate. They're not the same. When I go a few days without these tools, you might not hear it, but I feel it. You know, I'll be moody. I'll be more impatient with my child. Um, I'll be just not myself and it's all myself, right? We all ebb and flow. And that's another aspect that I coach people through, which is when I am flowing, wonderful. When I am ebbing, well, self-compassion, kindness, relying on borrowed hope, which is another type that I love because Mm -hmm. I do have my low moments. Who is there? 
to lend me hope when I need it. Right. Yes. And, and knowing that I have specific people like my husband or my community or you or some of the people that we love that are there to really help us along in the journey. We don't need to do things by ourselves, right? We have mm-hmm. each other. And so it's been a journey to understand these things. And again, to use them to our advantage is a discipline and a practice. Sure. Right? I mean, I've been journaling since I was a teenager. So it's been 20 some years and I've been meditating for about 15 years now. So it's a practice and my client shouldn't even consider that they're going to tackle it in a week of coaching where it's taken me 15 years to do it. Right. Exactly. Understanding that it's a process and and that it's a day-to-day thing that's part of what the coaching relationship is, right? That's what you have a coach for to just bring that perspective and, and bring that objective, you know, lens to things because we tend to take things very personal as we should. And we tend to really attach our feelings to it, especially highly sensitive people. Interesting. You mentioned uh, you don't watch the news and I can certainly understand that. Uh, there's a lot going on in, in the world today. And uh, I mentioned my age before. I got to tell you, in all honesty, things are as, 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 as nutty as they've ever been. It's, 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 it's an interesting time to be sure. With that being said, what would be your message of hope? Just a general message of hope for people out there today. Well, I mean, first of all, before I give my message, if I may, I would love to just clarify that I do know what's going on in the world. It's not like I live, yeah, it's not like I live under a rock. But you know, when when Roe versus Wade came out a few weeks ago, I was out of commission for like three days. I couldn't, I couldn't put my content out. I I'm like looking around at my life and you know, clueless because of the animosity of it all. I feel it right, like deeply. I might as well be in the streets screaming and with a sign in my hand, right? And that's yeah. the the highly sensitive thing. But I love that you asked me this question because it takes me back to something my dad said and he was the only one who has ever said those things to me like people aside from my husband and and we just met just a few years ago. And that was you can do anything. Mhm. Right. I mean, with limitations, like I said earlier, I'm not going to go to the moon. Right. That's would be unrealistic of me to even fathom how to begin to accomplish that in my lifetime. Right. And so the realistic aspect of it comes into play. But you can do anything. And it's really a matter of breaking it down into step by step and giving yourself grace in the process and understanding that you can try again and again and again and again and again, because I did so many things and I failed at so many things until I found the thing. And, you know, when I found it and looked back at my journey and realized it had always been there, that's also part of the beauty of my work, because I feel like it's like that for most people, they, they target something thinking it's completely random. And then they realize they were made for it. Sure. They were prepared for it in some way. And I believe in my faith 
that there's a plan of happiness, right? And sure. and it's and it's separate from the plan of salvation. That's a different subject. The plan of happiness is all about, you know, again, how can you succeed? What does success look like for you? And and what are the things that really resonate to your soul? You know, you go to my website and the first thing you see is coaching for the soul because I can coach you through meditation. Sure. I can coach you through journaling, of course. But at the end of the day, I, Graciela, as an individual, I want you to be okay at your core. And that just takes all these other elements together to function in a very orchestrated way. And to be able to guide people through this process, it just, it just fills my cup and then it overflows and then you feel it. (laughs) Well, the audience certainly does. I feel it. Uh, As I said, you have an amazing uh, spirit. You have an amazing uh, being, uh, I guess, that that just comes across so well. And that's made even, uh, even better by the fact that you are an excellent communicator. And I'm not necessarily trying to uh, give you compliments, but I'm kind of leading in to the next part of my uh, little talk here with you today, and that you do uh, uh, do things online. For those who may not know, there's a, a new type of medium called social audio. Uh, and these are basically sometimes like with Wisdom. Uh, it, it, Wisdom is an app that will allow a, an audio conversation. You don't have to do video. There's other things like Twitter Spaces, which will have groups of individuals in an audio-only situation where they can uh, talk among themselves. There's a host and so on and so forth. And of course, there's Clubhouse that a lot of people are familiar with. I know you're active on those platforms. On Twitter, you're at SOM Coaching. Um, and do you want to talk a little bit about where you're at online and where people can hear more about you, uh, online? Yes. Thank you for sure. So I've always been sung of myself, which is the poem by Walt Whitman. Wait, it's on the other side right there. And, um, it really, I fell in love with the poem and then, you know, 20 years later, figure out that what this poem is about, which is mindfulness, confidence, hope. That's what I am about, right? Yes. <laughs> I don't know which one came first, the egg or the chicken, right? right. And so um, songofmyself.ig, I've been on Instagram since 2010, and it's always been songofmyself.ig. So you can find me there. My website is somcoaching.com, Song of Myself Coaching. And my Twitter, I got very lucky to be able to have that, you know, at name on Twitter as well, SOM Coaching. And, you know, we we could go all day talking about how all of this translates into figuring out what your swan song is and, you know, that whole context of the song itself and then marching to the beat of your own drum and all these other, you know, cliches that are there for a reason. And so that's where you can find me. And Spaces has been, oh my gosh, such a refreshing thing. I avoided Twitter for the last decade and I'm really only there because of Twitter Spaces and it's just been wonderful. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, for whatever reason, the percentage of people who are on Twitter, a lot of them don't know that Twitter spaces exist. But at the same time, a lot of people are on Twitter spaces right now. They're on Twitter simply because of spaces. So that, that's an interesting duality there. And I hope uh, more people who are on Twitter become aware of it and start to take advantage of it because there's people like you there. And the spaces that you are in are always uplifting. Uh, and you have such a, a good wheelhouse of people that, that follow you and interject positive things. Um, it's, it's just it, anytime I notice that you're doing something, I always try to listen in if I have time because uh, you're just a, a, an absolutely a shot of refreshness, a breath of fresh air, all those cliches are all those things. And you also have the, the, the cred to go with it. So you're like the best of both worlds. A lot of people can be positive. You know, a lot of people can know a lot of things, but to put those things together the way you have, Graciela, I got to tell you, I would very much encourage our audience to check you out on Twitter and find out where you're at at certain given times, what events you're participating in. And once again, that's at SOM coaching. And of course, the SOM is uh, short for Song of Myself. Graciela, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, You've been a joy just like I knew you would be. Thank you very much. Thank you, Billy. Thank you so much. You're a gracious host and it's my pleasure. Oh, well, thank you. Just a reminder, you can find me on Twitter as well. I'm real easy to find on Twitter at Billy D's. I always say you just have to be nice. It's okay to disagree. But uh, yes, be positive, be hopeful when you tweet me. And uh, uh, always, uh, always, I'm always grateful for any feedback that I get. I'm just joking, of course. Until next week, thank you very much for listening to our podcast and enjoy yourself and enjoy the summer. Well, hello, everyone. I am Billy Dees from the self-titled Billy Dees Podcast. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and many more of the best podcast networks. Join me for my commentary and interviews. Follow me on Twitter, really easy to find, at Billy Dees. I am Billy Dees. I'd love to have you listen in.